Welcome everyone to the CavsCorner.com podcast, CavsCorner.com, your source for Virginia sports. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com, coming to you live from the Palatial Franklin Estates here in the west end of Richmond. I believe this is the first time we've done a podcast in a week after Tuesday or Wednesday in a very, very long time. So congratulations, you are the proud, uh, well you didn't really buy it, so you, you, you don't own it, but uh, recipient, recipient of a late week podcast. We just didn't, we didn't think we could leave signing day and uh, basketball season really alone, uh, and not talk about you know some things that obviously have have transpired over the last few days. We we obviously have a uh, a, a couple of basketball games that have, that have gone down. We've got uh, national signing day has come and gone. Virginia adding three players in the span of three four days uh, to its 2016 class. We're going to talk about that. Um, and then, uh, you know, we're basically going to let Dave uh, and his man crush on Bronco Mendenhall kind of air out a little bit. Before we get to the, that, let me uh, go around and introduce everybody. Spoiler alert, Dave Spence is back on the podcast. Welcome back, sir. It's good to be here. Who days? At who days on Twitter? Who days on the board? Sorry, I messed it all up yeah, there. Yeah, you did. You jacked that all up. Uh, all right. Cavs Corner also on Twitter. Cavs underscore corner. Great place for our in-game updates, content items, and the uh, occasional witty banter. Uh, Justin Ferber is not with us tonight. Something about uh, his his apartment got hit by a meteor. No, um, <laughs> <laughs> something about his router died last night or something. And so I don't know if people. Do we ever talk about that that time on the podcast? Do we ever, do we ever actually tell the good people about that? Um, if not, I can't remember. If not, now's a good time. So a while back, Ferber was having some kind of internet issues at his domicile, and so we had to like do this weird configuration where like essentially. Uh, Ferber could not hear Dave, and Dave couldn't hear Ferber, but I could hear them both. Is that base? That was right, right? You couldn't hear him. He could I hear could you. hear Ferber. He could. No, you hear could. Me. That's right. You could hear Ferber. Yeah. Ferber couldn't hear anybody. Um, and so he <laughs> it made for a very interesting recording of the podcast. Uh, so he, rather than do that tonight, we figured we'd just ride uh, with the two of us. Hopefully, Ferber will be back next week. Uh, when I called Dave and told him just a minute ago, his 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 thoughts were, "Man, we just can't keep. We just can't get three of us on the podcast anymore." <laughs> um, hopefully, we'll be able to do that next week. All right, let's start with uh, with signing day. Um, I guess I want to start real broad. Like, um, if I told you, if, if I had handed you a piece of paper, uh, and that piece of paper said the names of, of all the guys that signed yesterday, as well as the four enroll, early enrollees, uh, and I handed you that piece of paper the day after Mike London was fired, would you have called that class a success, yes or no, and why? The day after he's fired? No, probably not. I mean, I'd... I'm gonna be honest. It's some good kids in the class, but it's not, you know, it's lacking a lot, you know, lacking a lot of bodies on on both lines. And you know, it's I don't want to downplay the talent of the kids coming in there. They've got talent, but you know, it's there's a reason we were ranked so lowly, you know, so low in the conference. Um, and you know, it's. That's a very tough question, Franklin. Thank you. That's what I do. You at least put that in the teaser. You're going to nah, no, no, no. But the reason, <laughs> no, I, a, yeah, let, me, I like let, me, let me explain it. The reason I say it that way is because I feel like success in a lot of ways is always going to be impacted by things that are outside your control. And the reason I preface, I, I basically put, position the question as if Bronco Mendenhall had not yet been the coach is because you feel a lot more comfortable given the class because he's the coach, because he has a yeah. very clear understanding of what it is. And I mean, anybody who has not uh, watched his press conference, listened to it, uh, read the, uh, the notes thread that I did yesterday. Why not? I, yeah, I'm not really <laughs> sure why, but if you're listening to this podcast and you haven't, please, by all means, pause our podcast and go do that and come back. Um, I was just really fascinated by a lot of the different angles he took on things. I tried, if, if, you, if you heard it a couple times, I tried to get him to talk about these kids. Um, and what I thought was really interesting was, and this, hey, tip, tip your cat to the guy. Tip your cap to the guy, not your cat, your cap. <laughs> tip your cap to him because he spent an hour talking about a sign on National Signing Day, and he didn't talk about any recruits. He may have mentioned, you know, when they asked him about quarterbacks, he may have mentioned uh, Sonny and Devontae and how they were a little bit different. But realistically, he didn't get into like, 
you know, here's the backstory on this and here's the backstory on that. He, you know, the closest he got was that question about, you know, I asked him, uh, or I, I don't know if it was an answer to my question or, or to Ava Wallace's from the Washington Post, but he was talking about the diversity of the class. I think that was. I was asking him what jumped out to him, and he said the diversity of the class. That he could, yep. one minute he could be here and there, the next, and how different you know like New Jersey was to Charlotte Courthouse. And I thought, you know, it's just a it's a fascinating way to look at it. But at the same time, I thought, you know, he's really crafty about not giving up too many details. He didn't want to talk about players specifically because he felt like he you know he might leave somebody out or what have you. And that's that's fair. But also too like. You know, if he wanted to, he would have. So clearly he didn't want to. Um, and I don't blame him. You know what? He wants to see he, – he's not a hype guy. He's not going to just, you know, come out there and say, you know, hey, we addressed every need and we love these kids and we don't care what they're ranked. You know, I think he was very honest about, um, about you know, the issues that he sees, not just in terms of uh, this class, but how that impacts going forward and the, and the lack of numbers on the trenches. And um, you just came away thinking this guy has a plan. You might disagree yeah. with it. You might not like this or that of it. It's 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 very similar to me in a lot of respects to what Tony Bennett did. You know, he people would be frustrated because like he would t- he'd be really brutally honest with the kids, and next thing you know, they were transferring. Um, Bronco has a very clear idea of what he wants on the numbers. He has a very clear idea of what he wants in a player. Um, I thought that when you look at this class, there's a lot of interesting potential, but there's also a, a lack of uh, I guess you can call it star power. Um, to me, it would be a lack of guys who, who are of the hype variety. And I don't mean that in terms of like all of the guys that Virginia signed who were highly rated were also high. I don't mean that. I mean, cause I think Quinn Blaney might be one of the hardest working kids you'll ever find. Um, I just mean that in terms of these kids, like they were not guys who had a ton of offers. They were not guys who, uh, you know, are household names, even in recruiting circles. And so the fact that they're they're they were rated the way they were is not that surprising, and yet you still feel comfortable because Bronco and his people, the, the guys that they kept, they kept for a reason, uh, and you feel good about th- certainly the three kids they added um, over the last week. Uh, I, I kind of just look at it and I say, you know what, they addressed some needs, didn't address enough, uh, and that's going to put them behind the eight ball and seventeen that they're already kind of already kind of in the same spot for. Um, yeah. So now that I've kind of explained that, do you, do you, do you have a better? <laughs> no, I mean, I, th- that was kind of my answer too. I mean, it's knowing now, certainly, uh, um, it's not as concerning if you, let's say I'm not going to name any coaches cause I'm tired of talking about all the coaches, but there's some coaches we were looking at. There were more talent acquirers than talent developers. If you'd have gotten that style of head coach and end up with this class, you'd be concerned. Um, but because of what we've seen from Bronco and whatever number of days it's been now, um, I mean, there's still com- some, some concerns, and he even admitted those in the press conference, you know, deficiencies at, in the interior, um, which, you know, many of us had discussed beforehand. But, um, you know, he, uh, I think looking at what he does and what he's done at BYU, I'm comfortable that the class itself won't put us back a year. Like, I think he can take what he's got and move forward. Um, and it sounded like to me, you know, just based on everything they've talked about as far as the way they identify players, you know, it sounds like, you know, essentially they, they've got what they're looking for. If you fit that mold, they'll at least go visit you. Like, if you don't, they're probably not even going to go that far. Um, they so, do not strike you know, me as a, as a kind of staff that's going to waste a lot of time on kids that they know they can't get. Yeah, or don't want. Yeah, I I don't. Right. You know, he, he the the whole and concept. I don't think he's going to, you know, to, to let a whole lot slide. And that may change if you know later on down the road when you've got a more established program. Um, and I think that's a way. You know, a lot of the stuff we'll talk about. I think right. You need to look at it through that prism. It's a he's rebuilding a culture. So what happens now? Very much like it was under Tony Bennett. You can't take any, you know, you may be able to slide a little bit off your beliefs. I don't, and I don't mean off your beliefs, but have a little leeway there. You can't do that at the beginning and say, this is what I expect. So, you know, I think we're going to, that kind of plays a role into everything. Um, I think the kids he had at late are certainly exciting. Um, you know, cross bring something we, we don't really have. Um, the Hill kid, his video, you know, he wasn't like he was, he's probably, one of the, kind of sad to say, he's probably one of the more recruited guys in the class um, when you look at offers. So, you know, there's some, there's some positive pieces to the class. And I think I texted you, given the fact we're running a 3-4 and the way he runs it, a lot of the guys 
probably fit that scheme better than they did the four three that we were recruiting them to originally. Right, right. Because um, a lot of the defensive linemen were probably undersized to to really play the run in a four three, but maybe good you know will linebackers or rushbackers, and then. You know, it, it's going to be there. There's pieces to work with, and you know, Bronco has a, a track record, and certainly is very good about better than me trying to explain it here. He's very good about explaining kind of what he thinks with him. Now, right. you've mentioned him not wanting to identify kids, identify specific kids, and he was very crafty about it. He didn't put anyone down by doing it. Um, my guess is if there was three or four, like if this would have been the Andrew Brown, Quinn Blanding class, I guarantee you wouldn't have singled out Quinn or Andrew. That's, you know, that's a good point. And honestly, like in, in asking the question, I was more interested in how he would respond than what he would say. You know what I mean? Like I, I was wondering how, you know, and the fact that he didn't even do it at all, I, I thought it was kind of true to character. Um, yeah, and he didn't make you feel like a jerk for the question either. Yeah, exactly. Well, I thought that was nice. He didn't make me feel like a like you know because some coaches get on there and you know want to make you feel like a dumbass. But that he he obviously was not interested in that. Um, let's talk. A, obviously, Bronco didn't really feel like he wanted to talk about the the guys, but I I do because um, you know it's my podcast. Um, so let's let's get into kind of some of the. I don't want to get into necessarily like evaluation, and I understand that uh, some of these guys are going to get um, you know maybe moved around spot to spot they don't differentiate um necessarily all the time between you know a, a cornerback or a safety and it's probably going to be you know once they get a look at them um kid you're most excited about in the class is hmm. <sighs> I, I have three i mean i really like you know um nick grant and Jordan Max, I'm trying to decide which one I like the best. I just watched all the film again this morning. You know, all the film, yeah. Hours of hours of all film. All the film, he morning. says. He's like the Ron Jaworski of Virginia recruiting. <laughs> I spent 28 hours today watching film. Um, <laughs> I really like Christian Brooks a lot. Okay. Um, all right, that's fair. I like his Twitch. Uh, Jordan Mack excites me. I'm trying to decide if there's one. I mean, if I had to name one in this class, I'd probably go with Tristan Hill. Okay. Um, you really, you really did fall in love with that film, didn't you? Yeah, I mean, it's coupled with, you know, he's he's very athletic for his size. I I think I told you, I, I he he could play the interior of the defensive line, but he could be a really special interior offensive lineman. Um, you know, based based on all my hours of film study. Um, but that and the fact that, you know, he's a kid from Florida with no ties to Virginia that this this um, this staff was able to. To get on board and seem pretty right. confident about it hours before the announcement. Mm -hmm. Think about this. I want to. I want to single out the wide receiver class. Okay, Blackman six six one one ninety three is what Virginia lists him as in their release. Okay, uh, Hasis Dubois is six three one ninety five. Um, Aiden Howard six four one eighty. Joe Reed six one one ninety eight. That's a lot of length um, and a lot of athleticism. And what I find interesting about it is that if I had to pick one guy out of this class that I really thought was going to be like an all-ACC guy, it would be Joe Reed, simply because yeah. I just think, I, I don't know, I, I watched that kid at camp, and I remember um, Mid-Atlantic analyst Adam Freeman coming up to me and asking me how the hell UVA got him, because he, he should have a lot more offers than he had. Small high school, just didn't really get a whole lot of, a lot of run. Um, I honestly thought that coming out of that camp, it, I wouldn't be surprised if he had you know moved up to a four. Clearly, I'm not in the evaluation business, but... I, I, I think he is – Reed is a guy who, to, to me, reminds me a lot of Kane and Severin, right? Size, the, the body build, that kind of thing. Um, he apparently returned a, two kickoffs, 50 and 80 yards, uh, in the uh, Virginia High School League All-Star game, um, which I did not know. He rushed for 2,100 yards and 38 touchdowns this past season. Now, he had to play quarterback. Um for his team because they just didn't have another quarterback. So here's a guy going to the going to the next level as a wide receiver that essentially just played out of position because his team needed him to. Um, he had 15 touchdowns last year when he was able to play receiver, um, and he caught 33 passes for 21 scores uh, as a sophomore. So what I find interesting is he's 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 a multi-sport guy, um, really good body. You know he doesn't have elite speed, but he's very good athlete. Um, I really expect big things from him. And yet, the guy that I'm most excited about, even though I'm telling you that, that I think he's going to end up being kind of an all-ACC guy, um, 
And I really fought Doug Dowdy yesterday because Doug Dowdy wanted to steal him and, and kind of make him his sleeper. And I was like, no, no, Doug, he's my guy. <laughs> um, is is Dubois. Um, yeah. He was probably the one guy. Like, what, What's funny about signing day is that, like, I become like, like when we go to like the the presser and stuff, like the, the different you know the different beat guys, they don't really follow recruiting, right? And so they'll ask me like, okay, who's the guy to, to single out? And I I told all of them, uh, Dubois should be either him or Harbison. Um, Dubois played. Let's see, he's got he had ninety seven career receptions in high school for nineteen hundred yards and twenty six touchdowns. Um, he had 45 at, for 740 and 12 touchdowns this past season. Um, I just really think if you watch that kid to me, uh, he looks like a very much a can't miss prospect. And the fit for me, knowing what the offense Virginia is going to put out there with Robert and I as a coordinator, I'm like you. I think he fits what Virginia wants to do now more than he ever did what Virginia wanted to do. Now, the interesting th- thing about this class to me is that they have a lot of guys who are under-the-radar types. Um, and I think if you're going to have under-the-radar types, isn't this like the perfect coach to have it with? I mean, like, I, and I, I, I mean, maybe that's a reach. Maybe, maybe, I'm, maybe I'm just reaching here. But it seems to me that like, these kids are like the perfect kids to be the first group that, that Bronco works with. They're not going to balk it at hard work. They're not going to get rattled by a coach that expects them to work hard uh as well as a coach who doesn't necessarily i mean like i don't know if people have heard these stories but like the guys who are in the off-season like conditioning like that are working in winter workouts right now like they're wearing all black not black's not just happen to be the color nike hat but essentially they have not earned the right to wear the v sabers like that's how serious this is and Dave and I have been kind of talking about this via text. Like he, when he, when Broncos in the press conference and he's talking about how like they might not practice, he means it. Like yeah. they, they got to earn this. They got to do this session well enough to earn the next session and so on. Like he's going to, he's going to set them straight. And like I feel like not only the current players that are you know that will stick, but this group of kids because of who they are, they chose Virginia for their own reasons. You know maybe they didn't commit to this staff, but certainly they decided to stick with this staff. I really, I gotta say, I, I like that that dynamic, uh, and what that could mean. I, I've told people, you know, I've done a lot of radio this week. If he if he goes to a bowl game this year, like you you you, any worries you have about recruiting will not be a problem. You know what I mean? Like, won't yeah. be a problem at all because instantly success is there, and that's all you need. Because because when you have a new when you're new and, and and you have a vision, that in of itself will help them a lot. Like they're gonna do better on the recruiting trail than a lot of people think. Um, but to me, the fact that this group, I mean, I don't know how many of these guys are going to be needed as freshmen. Um, I was going through the numbers tonight looking at, you know, who's coming back. And I'm only on the assumption, I'm just looking at the roster uh, from last year and trying to, um, you know, roll those guys over and who's still there at what positions. And it's kind of crazy to me how thin they are, like at, um, at safety. I think they only had four safety guys who yeah. listed as safety. They only had four of them on the team. So maybe a guy like Jordan Mack can, because he kind of fits the scheme so well, you know, maybe he can kind of get in line to be in the two deep. But um, and that brings up an interesting point, which I, you and I, I know we want to talk about. This is the whole idea of red shirting. Um, <laughs> I think when Virginia fans got you know heard about Bronco being the coach and it was you know I think they were very excited because like hey. This, this is a no-nonsense guy. He's going to have an, an approach. He's going to have a, a plan. He does have a plan. His plan is just not necessarily what all of the mess, people on message boards want. Right? I mean, I think, can you agree yeah. with that? Like, they're not going to – he's not saying he's going to play a kid for the sake of playing him. He's going to play who's ready. But he does not view red-shirting the same way everybody else does. He says – and I think this is interesting – that if you go to the University of Virginia as a student, they expect you to graduate in four years. Right? They expect yep. you to graduate in eight semesters. Well, Bronco, one, is not going to be all about early enrollment. He's not going to be rushing kids to get to, 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 to town any earlier than they have to. Because, and he made a good point that without the structure in place, because the coaches can't work with the kids, right, even if you bring them in, you're not necessarily setting up necess- great, great habits. You know what I mean? It's one thing once they're already, you know, they can get into the program and now, okay, now they understand what's expected. But until they can actually work with the coaching staff, they, they're kind of just going off of, uh, of other players or just working with the, with the uh, S&C coach. But, like, his idea about redshirting is essentially that you earn the chance to have that fifth year. So even if you don't play as a freshman, 
you will essentially you can call you can be a redshirt freshman because that's technically what happens, right? You, but in terms of what happens to you, if you don't earn it, you're not going to be invited back for that fifth year. Uh, it's up to you to make the most of it. And I thought that was fascinating because um, I don't think I've ever heard a coach look at redshirting in that light. Now I understand, and he made the point that you know he's had to deal with it differently because of you know missions and and kids who were going to be here in two years and that kind of thing. And maybe maybe that part of it makes him not afraid to do some things that maybe are a little unconventional, you know. Yeah. But he has a very, I mean, he was not he was not kidding around. Like this was not like a thing he's thinking about. You know what I mean? Like there was a conviction there. Yeah, I mean, it's. I would like to say it's maybe a little self serve. You know, I guess you could spin it and say, hey, of course he wants to get the first couple classes out of here as fast as he can because they're not all his guys. That's not it. <laughs> I tell you, um, and you know, you think of BYU and you you think of the missions and you assume those guys are retiring. No, you know, a lot of those guys are doing the missions out of high school and then they come play four years and they're gone. Um, he's redshirted some, but if you go back and look, and I did after the press conference, a lot of the redshirting he did at BYU was prior to the the uh, reduction of the the mission age to eighteen, where kids could go straight from high school. A lot of that redshirt was done when the guy came and played, had a year at BYU and then left for two and came back. Um, so he hasn't redshirted a lot recently, not as much as he did initially. Um, and, I, you know, it's interesting. It kind of, I think if you want to kind of sum up, and, you know, I don't know Bronco, I think more than you guys do, other than the fact that I've probably watched his press conference more than anyone except maybe his wife. Probably. <laughs> I, don't, um, I, don't think, I don't think Holly's watching that. Yeah, right? she probably didn't listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> She's too busy. It's not, not like my wife listens to these podcasts. Um, anyway, it's the, uh, I think you, if you want to sum up what he's about, it's just, just keep the earn this thought in your head. Right. right? Yeah, exactly. Everything is earned. Everything yeah. with this dude is earned. And that's in, an interesting way to look at it because like we automatically assume that like, okay, if you're not ready to play, you just red shirt and then you have four more years. What he says is, is that if you're not ready to play, that's great. Uh, but he wants his guys ready to play. He wants them coming, expecting to play, expecting to compete. And if they don't play, he, I, I, it's funny because I don't get the vibe from him that he's just going to throw dudes out there willy-nilly. He's absolutely going to have a plan because when he started talking about the numbers, you know, at offensive line and defensive line, you know, he, he, he was, it's, it's mission critical to him. You know, that the numbers that, and he, he's not going to say publicly what the, that, 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 methodology is on you know how many guys are what spots but you got a very clear idea that he he knows exactly what he's looking for and one of the things he wants is he wants players who come to campus ready to go he wants guys when they arrive in town ready to go and if and if they if they're you know because of the the way guys in front of them are playing and they don't play that's great you got to prove it though when you do play that you deserve that year back yeah i I thought one of the most interesting things he said and most it probably it pretty much um, sums up everything you hear on the message boards when people complain of redshirting, and you know the whole argument about redshirting. A lot of times, it, it's not due to the fact that so and so only played a few snaps. It's because we really need so and so at this point. You know, we need it. Oh boy, it'd been nice if Mike Moore was around for another year, right? For the you know for this coming year, it's not because of. It's because you're you don't have any. If you had, right? If you had trying to make an I, example, I, if you had, I, I you know, if you had you. a stud yeah, behind, I know where you're going. Yeah, it yeah. wouldn't be that big. Of yeah, a deal. if you if your numbers, you're saying that a lot more often than not, it's not because of uh, it's not even because of an individual player. It's because what an individual player can mean for a position group. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's a you know, numbers. If thing. you've got if you've got the next guy, the next guy behind him is really good. It doesn't. You're probably not having that argument as much. Right. Um, and it reminded me. He talked about you need to have a clear, um, you know, clear order of secession for anyone who touches the ball on offense, like from the center to the quarterback, to the running back, to wide receivers, you need to know who's going to be, if that guy's leaving, who's going to be doing it next. And it reminded me like when we always hark back, you know, the Welsh years are going to be the gold standard for, for a while. Hopefully we'll get a new gold standard soon. But if you think about all those good George Welsh teams, very rarely was there a year where, the next quarterback up didn't make you forget. You know, I won't, don't want to say forget, but yeah, you happily didn't, move yeah, on. You didn't, yeah, you didn't like sit there lamenting. You know, you you yeah, exactly. It was a it was a succession plan. That's exactly yeah, so what it you, was. You know, it was from good center. Always had a good center when Welsh was here. We always had you know 
The only, I say the outlier year was probably you know the, the Tim Sherman year. It wasn't a bad year. That team was really good. Tim just kind of didn't have the the kind of career that the guys before him and after him had. Um, and then if you think about running back, every year Welsh was here. Like remember Tiki got hurt in the bowl game. It's like oh man, oh who's this Thomas Jones kid? Oh he's all right, right, <laughs> you know? right. So and so and always good receivers. So it's that's encouraging. I think when you're managing the roster correctly. The need to redshirt everyone or have some set policy on redshirting is less less important. Um, you're planning for the future, and I think the one thing this past half missed greatly was you know roster management. It was it was more of I think someone asked a question. I think it was the AP writer in the press conference was asking about whether he was a take the best guy or find the right fit recruiter. Um. You know, and Bronco pretty much said he, he recruits to what he needs. And I, I wish I could remember the quote. I, I was joking I had it memorized. But he was saying, you know, that might be there's a really good player ends up going down the road and, and does really well. But we just didn't need him that year. And we needed an offensive lineman or wherever it might be. And um, yeah, well, what was his quote? Uh, he doesn't believe there's only one chance to get it right or something like that. You remember that part? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I got you. Yeah. Yeah. I got you. Yeah. So it's, yeah. But let's, I think there's also, and when you're coming in trying to change the culture of a program, and it's, you, you can see it, you talked about it with the warm up, earning the V Saber. You talked about, you know, and, and in some ways it's, he's not going to mention recruits by name specifically or give them praise because they haven't earned it. Um, the red shirting thing, he can't, like as much as we know the guys on the team now, you know the senior leadership, the veteran leadership, and he's gotten to know them. He doesn't know what they're like on the football field yet, so he can't have a freshman class that comes in. Like if he said yesterday, "Yeah, I'm not playing any freshmen," how's that going to fire up? Who, who's going to be scared of losing their position? Because there's not that much depth on the team. There's only right. so many guys. Right. So it makes sense, and when you look at his philosophy, that. Every position's up for battle. You've got to earn your position. You can't take twenty-five percent of your roster every year and say they're not—they're not going to play. It just doesn't work that way. You can only have eighty-five kids on scholarship. Um, so, you know, I think. And I mentioned to you, I started reading his book, uh, "Rushing into the Wind," and it's—it's it's all about organizational structure. That's what the team's built on. You know, he—it's—if you think what you've seen in the press conference is impressive what's laid out in that book is tremendous. Um, everything from how you interact with people to how you interview people to how you, who you hire. I mean, it's, I won't say it's rigid, but it's a set of principles that he works off. It's very similar to the five pillars philosophy. Um, I'm sure some people will balk. I seriously doubt Bronco is going to play a guy two plays in the last game of the season and, you know, take his well, year away. That's the thing is, is that he's going to play a guy when he's ready, but I feel like, He's going to get through camp, and when you know coaches do that, they make that determination on if a guy will play or not. But when he decides a guy is going to play, you really get the sense that he's going to play. You yeah. know that, that he's not going to get lost in the shuffle. Um, you know, a, a situation like David Eldridge last year, where you know it seemed like every play he was in, he got he, you know he was a tar- he was targeted. You know he he was you know he was making a play. Um, you're not. I don't think you're going to see much of that. And I'm not. You know, and I you know for anybody who's followed you know who's been on the board for a while or heard me. You know, I'm not one of these people that just wants to, you know, talk smack about, you know, people that are that are gone or are no longer in positions. I, that's not my point. And then certainly I'm not I'm not saying that in this case. I'm just saying that this is different. And this is I think this is kind of set up to work. I mean, and what he did at BYU is is hard to argue with. Yeah. And it, I mean, yeah, I, I agree with you. Whole not to get off topic. I don't there's not one way to win. At football, that's I mean, true. Nick Saban does yeah, it differently than other people. Yeah, and, and I think you have to figure out what re- what works for you. And clearly, like when he was talking about like how they were are, they were behind on 2017 because of some things, um, but you know they would catch up by the summer. The fact that he picked out he he has a clear idea of when that'll happen because he knows how much time they're putting in. You see yeah. what I mean? Like, and you're right. It's an organizational structure. He talks about this constantly, um, and again. It doesn't necess- just because it worked at BYU doesn't mean it absolutely will work at UVA. I, but I can tell you this: that if it doesn't work out, it's not going to be co- going to be because 
there was ever any doubt in him. I mean, the man has a very clear con- and he has conviction. I mean, he is he is as as resolute as it as it comes when it when it comes to his program, and he knows what he wants. And I, and I kind of feel like like I said before about this class, you know, I, I think. You know, if you look at position by position, I think the wide receiver group is very strong. I think it, they've got a lot of rangy DBs. Um, if you look at this list, I mean, you're talking six foot, six one, six two, six three, six two. That's a lot of size. Yeah, it looks um, like a basketball recruiting and, list. Yeah, and, and right. And then <laughs> there's you know, more six there's eight not guys. We, we same number six eight. Three hundreds. Right. We understand that there's not enough beef. You know, they that they're not good enough. They're not. They're, they they needed another offensive lineman or two. And if there's a, a critical mistake that Virginia's made in, in past classes, it's been not taking kids uh, that they should have, or or not pushing pushing harder for offensive linemen. You know, like a couple classes ago, and you know, I was hearing like, okay, well, the numbers are good, and I'm like, I'm not really seeing that. But what I thought was interesting is that they decided to take Ben Trent as a recruited walk-on, right? Um, and they had scholarships to give. And he was a kid that I think they were looking at as a scholarship player. So uh, to me, what that says is they have a very clear idea going forward. And that in past classes where maybe Virginia would use the scholarship because it was there to use, you get the sense that's not going to happen anymore. You know, you, you get the sense that, like, everything that happens here is very planned out. And so whether it's offers, whether it's scholarships in general, uh, who they take, who they sign, um, it's all going to have a plan. Uh, I do want to talk about a couple kids uh, in this class that – um, I don't think are getting uh, their just desserts. I, I, I kind of feel like uh, if you look at them, um, apparently uh, Stephen. We've always called him Stephen, but his his real his real first name is Jawan. Or excuse me, he likes to be he wants to be called Jawan. Uh, Jawan Moy from uh, from Georgia. You know, not a kid who did a lot of interviews. Um, not a guy who you know talked much. Six three two thirty five listed as an outside linebacker. Obviously with a three four. Um, I think that's a kid that really fits. Um, if you, it, to me, I look at, uh, you know, I look at the recruiting landscape in in, in this in, across the country, and you look at how many players are coming from the state of Georgia. Uh, that state is just chock full of them. Um, he had 104 tackles and 12 sacks last year, um, 84 and two the year before. Um, you know, for me. That's a kid that that you're going to want to watch. Um, yeah, you know, I liked his tape too. I mean, I think he can play either outside linebacker position, um, depending on how how much size he puts on. You know, whether he rushes more or gets in coverage, he's got the yeah. ability to cover. Um, yeah, I liked him a lot. Um, I thought that the local kid uh, Osiris Crutchfield. Uh, I thought it was funny. Like on signing day, he he tweeted out like right after you know his stuff became official, and they got him listed at six uh, six three. <laughs> yeah, he's yeah, like, exactly. I, I just want everybody six, to know six, I'm six four. Um, obviously got to put some weight on him. Um, interesting, uh, interesting player in a lot of ways. And now I know you're really high on Hill. Um, it, what's funny to me is that they need more help on the offensive and defensive line. We all, we all understand that. Um, but I think between Brooks and Crutchfield, they actually have a couple kids at, on the D line who are, who are good pieces. And I think the same thing about, uh, Rankinsmeyer, um, and Newton, I really think both of those guys are, are are solid picks. You know, to me, Rankins Meyer is a, is an interior guy, could be your center of the future. You know, if you decide to go that route, uh, Newton is 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 big. I mean, that's it's, that's a six eight. That's a lot of that's a lot of, for for Garrett Tuje to work with. Um, yeah. So it's it's funny because like I feel like those are not bad groups. They just aren't enough of them. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I think when you look at the class as a whole, there is a lot of. I'd say the wide receivers are the strongest part of the class without a doubt. I mean, I think you've got three potential starters, maybe more, you know, we haven't even mentioned Blackman. Um, you know, he's probably the, he's probably the most shorthanded of all of them. Um, he's going to be, I don't, he can probably play outside, but he's the inside guy. He's probably going to be, you know, just based on what he did in high school, he looks like the kind of kid who's going to help you with that third and four, you know, that, that kind of thing. And he's got speed too. Um, and he can return punts and he's, he's pretty brave back there when he does. Uh, you know, I think from the wide receiver group as a whole is probably the strength, but there's a lot of length in the defensive backfield. Um, and when you watch those guys on, you know, um, it's highlight clips, but you know, I don't kind of look at the results of the plays. I, I, 
I'm an expert at this, so I get paid money. <laughs> I tried to look at the results because, you know, some of those high school, we joke about it in basketball too. I mean, it's, it's only, you know, you're, when you only see success, you don't see so much, but you can see stiff hips. You can see that kind of thing. and You can see fluidity when, it, yeah. when, it's, on, when it's in front of you. Yeah. You know, I'm telling you, if you want to know why I'm so high on Tristan Hill, don't watch the defensive highlights he has out there. Go watch his offense. And, like, he's, for an offensive line that I think, and, and the reason I like him on offensive line at Virginia is because I think one thing our offensive line has lacked and is that nastiness. And when he blocks guys, he's nasty. Um, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see what side of the ball he shakes out on. Um, it was one other kid I wanted to mention. Um, at Landon Word, I mean, <laughs> he kind of gets forgetting too. He's a heck of an athlete, man. Um, yeah, I think him and who's the other linebacker? Um is it Snyder? Yeah, the kid from Georgia. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think they both kind of – I think him and him and Word are probably the most likely to end up in the inside on in the 3-4. Um, so, you know, there's some pieces there, and you put them in the right scheme and with the right coaching. I don't think we need to look at this class as anything that will set us back. I, you know, I think it's a class you can – coached up, schemed right, will be a good launching point um, as we move forward. and. Hey, I had I was talking to someone the other day. I wish I could remember who it was. Um, who asked if I was kind of bummed about, you know, because there wasn't a whole lot of talk about, you know, Virginia picking up new commits. Because you know, Fuente got a couple at Tech, you know, junior college guys right. lost out on a few at the end. Right. Um, but it's different. You know, it is different. It's like it's not like I'm trying to. Th- I mean, it's not like who else had a good change I can use as an example this year. Um, I mean, it is a significant culture shock. It's it's not Kirby Smart going to Georgia. Kirby Smart's probably going to change a whole lot about that offense. Um, and but essentially, Bronco not only had to recruit the uncommitted guys because of what he's going to ex- try to do right away. Like he's not shying away from winning right away. He's not planting those seeds of doubt that it may take a couple years, like some coaches will. <laughs> he's telling you, yeah. Even though I think he said in the press conference, even though. We're deficient at offensive line, defensive line. That's not an excuse not to be successful or something like that. Okay. You gave us a one, you gave yourself an out and then you took it away. Um, he really had to come in and recruit the current players too. And I think if anything, and we hadn't mentioned it yet, if you didn't get anything out of signing day yesterday, other than the fact that a lot of guys that were, we were probably having some questions about whether they were going to buy in because of how close they were to the previous staff, they're bought in. Um, and there are plenty of videos out there to show you. So, yeah, I will say that that's a that's a interesting point. The 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 way that these guys are engaged is on a whole different level right now. Um, you know, not just I mean the energy of the coaching staff in and of itself is 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 obviously a huge change of pace. But I just what these guys you're exactly right. I think for a lot of people they were a little worried. You know, oh, but I you can watch these kids and say, okay, you know what, they're comfortable. Like they. But also too, like, and I made this. I said something on the board about this. Like, you know, guys, players, players react to coaches who know what they're talking about, and they understand the difference. You know what I mean? And to me, I think that when you see these guys on, there, there will definitely be some guys that don't that don't work out. You know, that's just going to happen. Um, but I think what you see, by and large, is players are trying. The players want to win, and they want they want to have a coach coaching staff that will prepare them to not only to win but also they all want you know they want they want to be successful you know beyond college yeah even let me speak on that before we get off of it do you really think nick saban has more in common with the players he's recruiting than brocco mendenhall does absolutely not yes and so that that argument carries no weight and as much as the assistant coaches can help you in recruiting you know you might get one or two kids out of that but you know the best assistants for recruiting are picking up two or three kids. But if the guy at the top's no good, they're right. not getting yeah. them. And and what's different about this staff, at least in terms of recruiting, is that like they're going to have areas and they're going to have kids that they work with. But you know the energy that they're bringing to it, it's not going to be a situation where you have two or three guys getting all the commits, right? You're going to have the entire staff out on the road. Uh, you're going to have the entire staff making connections with kids. And then you get them around all of these guys at once, and they're they really are infectious. It's it's a different day in a lot of respects. And what I thought really found interesting too about yesterday's press conference was this was still the you know we're still all getting to know Bronco, and you know we're still going to get to know his his staff. 
But what I found interesting is that like there's so much substance there. You know, it's not just smoke and mirrors and they're going to, you know, make some connections at some high schools and, and you know, that's just not the way it's going to work. You can tell it like they're going to develop these kids and that's a significant difference clearly than, than, than what, you know, has been happening. And um, yeah, I, I know we need to talk about basketball. I want to bring up two more at, things. I just looked at the clock and I'm like, wow, we've been talking for 40 know, minutes. It's exciting, man. We haven't had much. You know how painful it was to do football podcasts the last year. Um, the you know, with the Twitter stuff, we had mentioned it before, how social media savvy they were. Um, I thought, it, you know, it was brilliant. And I think Bronco said, you know, he, he's not big on social media, but, you know, if you don't have a voice, uh, God, what was the way he put it? I don't know why I'm trying to quote him specifically, like it matters, but he... Because um, you watched the press conference. Uh, yeah, because I, I joked, I think I had it memorized. But, you know, he mentioned, you know, if you don't have a, if you don't have a voice, someone else will create it for you. So he wants to control the voice, that whole thought. Um I, mean, I thought those videos yesterday showed us, you know, they probably comforted a lot of people. Um, I, I, for a while, I had a little bit of, does it fit into this whole earn this thing? But then I watched Michigan's thing yesterday, which could be the low point of college football recruiting. I mean, is that what we are really? <laughs> but, you know, it was, even though you had some of the, you know, they were, they had, um, performances for some of the recruits coming on it was the current team kind of welcomed them in it wasn't singling out the kid as being great um so it kind of fit into the philosophy but they were a lot of fun to watch um and certainly if you'd have told me i know i basically my twitter feed is virginia people but <laughs> there was a lot of people was, who were yeah, enjoying it yesterday there was more yesterday. excitement out of out of yesterday uh you know, and considering that there wasn't like it wasn't like they were getting a whole bunch of you know there weren't a lot of you know kids that were committing ye- yesterday. Even the kids that did, you kind of had a good feeling about. Um, it was just the overall excitement about the program. Um, I would be interested to know if what the if the, what kind of business the ticket office did yesterday. Um, I don't know. I mean, they were trending what number four nationally at one point. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> and, and and you know, I think that that's a product of just people like you said. Just people are really excited, and that's. There's a certain wave to that, but you know Andrew Ransbacker from the Daily Progress made a good point to me yesterday. He said, "You know what though, they come out and they win three games. You know, all that signing day fun, and I and I agree with that. I mean, there is a point where where rubber has to meet road. Oh, yeah. That's but the I same also anywhere. <laughs> I think the thing about you know there's a difference between earning something and 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 it be and not and and not having fun. Like there's a, a time to be serious and there's a, there's a way to interact there's a way to conduct yourself but i also think what bronco expects his people to do is to live their lives he wants you he wants his staff you know to, to work hard but they'll have fun and yeah. you can see that the way that his leadership and how he kind of approaches that it it trickles down um and so the most he, comforting thing for me um you know when we talk about you know, it's kind of the whole aspect of it. It's hard to build your program if you don't do well recruiting your home state. I really liked that he didn't want to talk about Virginia in in terms of the DMV and Southwest and and the seven five seven. Right, right. And I think that's a very masterful way to do it because yeah, he thinks of Virginia as Virginia. Because you know, it can hurt you <laughs> if you. you know. That's true. That's true. And so. there's certainly and I, and again, I, I think that what you're seeing from him. In terms of his, the way he views everything, it, it all comes back to his 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 view his whole plan. You know, he he knows exactly what he wants to do. And like I said before, like just because he's going to be, you know, he's going to make these kids earn doesn't mean like because you see them when they're working out with uh with 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 the with Frank Wintrick, the strength and conditioning coach. Like they're working, like they're working hard, Jack. But then like you also see them having fun with these same coaches, and I think that in of itself. Uh, kind of is it 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 it, it kind of gives you a sense of okay, the kids are gonna buy are buying into it, and if the kids are buying into it, the same thing's gonna happen on the recruiting trail, and it won't matter if you're in the seven five seven or if you're in you know Nova or if you're in Roanoke. Like it, like good football coaches and people who who can relate to folks are 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 good no matter where they are, and. I'm I'm already kind of sensing myself getting tired of answering, you know. Well, how's he going to recruit? Like, I'm I'm getting tired of those questions because essentially, like, if you look at this class, who are the kids he lost? Kids that either were committed to Chris Beatty, basically, or kids that he didn't think fit what he did. You know, 
but the the kids he wanted, it wasn't like he lost. You know, you know what I'm saying. So he, those were the kids that were the most important. Those were the ones he spent the most time with, and they all signed back on. And I think that in of itself is 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 a sign. Um, yep. All right, we're 45 minutes in. We got to talk basketball. <laughs> um, hard hard segue here. Um, all right, so Virginia goes to 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 Louisville and just absolutely turns into the team you've been wanting to see all season. I can't imagine there was much else uh, that you didn't that you there was much else on the list of things uh, that was much lower than uh, when it comes to things you expected to see than that. Um, I personally, can, I, I guess I'll just speak for myself. That result and and just the, the way they dominated that game just shocked me um, in so many different ways. Um, I, I watched I watched it back um, because I thank you DVR. Man, like the way it was more dominating the second time you watched it. Well, it, and it was it was one of those things too, where like you you started to notice a little the little bitty nuances, like the things that that used to become so that were so old hat, you know, the past couple of seasons, the way that guys moved in unison, like that was the 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 way they the way they were they were a phalanx. You know what I'm saying? Like they they were all on the same page, and you and and even though they they weren't necessarily as crisp against BC. Um, mainly because I think BC just, you know, the the Tompkins kid just, you know, hit some crazy shots in the first half and kind of gave him some life. And then, of course, later in the game, Virginia's reserves came in and gave up 11 straight points well after the the, the game was decided. But still, to me, to be seeing them playing this kind of defense and holding themselves accountable. Um, but I, I really do think, though, that the difference that you've seen the last few games has been Malcolm Brogdon is playing the way a star plays. And I don't mean that... Just in terms of numbers, I mean that in terms of decisions. You know, he might have one a game still that you watch and you go, "Man, what was he thinking?" But everything else is, I mean, he is letting it. All, it's like he's he's managed to find that sweet spot between being aggressive and 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 allowing the the opportunities to present themselves before he takes them. And to me, like that is that is important, and that's something he what I mean he was forcing it too much, yeah. you know. And then I think too. When Virginia plays good defense like they did against against Louisville, the offense just kind of follows. And this is a team, even though it's better offensively, that still needs that defensive spark. Um, and I'm curious to see how they play this weekend at Pitt because I think you know Pitt's not a great team, but a good team, and certainly a tough place for a lot of people to play. Um, you know, we'll 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 have to see how you know how they match up. But I I gotta say I really like the way uh, that things have kind of that the team is kind of coming together. Um, and certainly coming off that Louisville game, it's it's hard not to be excited about what the ceiling is because now now that you've seen them do it, you're like, oh, that's what you do. I mean, like <laughs> what they did, Damian Lee was just downright filthy. He looked like he could cry at one point. He, yeah, he, he, just, he reminded me of all he, those times when he shot that like, air ball three. Yeah, 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 yeah. He didn't want to get off the floor. He yeah, was just like, he, oh man. Well, it reminded me because like I remember Marcus George's hunt had some games like that against Virginia, and you just and you, he just looked like the most miserable person in the building. Um, and because like star players have a certain sense, like all right, I'm not really carrying my weight here. I've really got to step this up. And you can you can just feel it when you're not doing your job. And you know what? When Virginia like that, look, Eli Carter last night. You know, same idea. Um, you know, same defender. <laughs> exactly. I mean, the same thing is happening to him. Um, I thought BC did some. You know. Tony made a good point after the game about the way that they run their offense and how it's going to create some looks. You you just got to be prepared for it. Um, I thought that you know it wasn't a game that Virginia was great, but they were they were very good. Um, and even with a team hitting some crazy three point shots, it, you know it didn't it didn't really phase them. So now you look forward and you say, okay, now you got Pitt coming up. Um, then you get Duke, obviously the next week. And there's a game in the middle there, and I can't think of who it is. Um, home game against. Who's the other? Who's the home game against Dave? Um, oh, internet! <laughs> um, <laughs> whose whose browser will come up faster? I got Pitt, Virginia Tech, Duke. Ah, okay. So Tech's in the middle. Oh um, yeah, I thought. Oh, see, yeah, I thought you right. were being sarcastic. No, 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 no. I was being <laughs> serious. I I honestly couldn't remember. Um, I honestly couldn't. Um, I I just know that you know. Takes you over. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, all right, so what do you what do you still? I don't want to say uh, what are you still um, worried about because I think that 
you know, you worried about him going. Maybe I should because it's like they listened to the last podcast. <laughs> I mean, did we not? We we said Malco's got to stop taking these random shots. Yeah, you know, pretty we did. much he's done right. that. That's right. You're right. You're absolutely. And then we talked about how they kind of look like they they don't really Didn't trust each play other. Together. That they, yeah. <laughs> and now that you know they're they're family. Now they're Instagramming. Them. Yeah. I, mean, I will say this though. I think that there comes a time. Look, we we talked about this a little bit too last week. Like. The idea that sometimes when you have something, uh, not you know, we can call it miraculous or whatever you want to call it, but just un, just pure joy, has a has a way of just you know, think about every awesome sports movie you've ever seen. Like, there's always some moment where some crazy stuff happens, and there's a music montage, and everybody's happy. Like, there's a, there's happiness is a hell of a drug, man. <laughs> and and you can, I mean, I'm serious. Like, when you are, that, I mean, like that excitement and they, you know, that that level of, I think, just. Just like um, their their kind of unified uh, relief and their unified excitement converging in the same spot, I think I, I'm not going to say it's like Joe going to Tony's house because it's not quite you know we got to see some more results. But like I think you can point to that moment and say you know what it was something. Um, yeah. You know I don't think you get that Louisville game without it. I mean I don't think they just happened to you know I don't think it was just chance. You know what I mean? Yeah, and in Devin, you know, let's be honest, with Devin and. Um, uh, Isaiah playing so good recently. Yeah, we we kind of talked about needing to trust their teammates before. When they play like that, it makes it a lot easier. I mean, what are De- what? I don't know if did Devin have a turnover last night. I think he had one. He yeah, had I mean, one. So you're talking like three or four turnovers in the past four plus games. Yeah, um, that's pretty crazy. Yeah, that that's really good. And then you know Isaiah keeps hitting that baseline jumper, and you know it's. He doesn't have to be a high volume scorer. He just needs that threat to keep the lane clear. And and he's so comfortable know. taking that J too. Like he is yeah. so so comfortable taking it. You know, and London continues to. Yeah, you know, he's easily the most. Uh, it's hard to say he's underrated because people talk about him a lot. But he's still, I still think he's underrated because people don't really talk about him enough. As much enough. Yeah, yeah it's, I got you. Yeah, he's clearly. Yeah, everyone has stepped up the last couple of games. Um, yeah, I wasn't too worried about the BC game. It, I was expecting us to be a little flat. Saturday took a lot out of out of us. Um, and you know, even though Saturday surprised me, I won't say it shocked me, just because you know this team is capable of it. Um, and maybe that's what it took. Um, you know, I think this Saturday's game against Pitt. I mean, it'll be interesting to you know, another tough opponent on the road, and we've got some tough games coming up. So yeah. You know, win this game, and Virginia's in a really good spot to to wrap up a you know one of the buys if they if they yeah, played agreed. decent down the stretch. So so, la- so last night Hall had five points, five rebounds, three assists. He did have two turnovers, okay. um, which I think puts him at four over like the last I don't know how many games. All right, and then Wilkins had he only scored two points. Um, it's funny how his his he had four steals. Yeah, he's he had four he had more steals than he had rebounds. Like he just finds ways to just contribute you know what i mean and you can totally tell the you know you can tell like when he how many rebounds did london have last night uh london had uh uh two total we're, we're much better when london's not rebounding <laughs> well they're also better when he's not scoring five <laughs> points though i mean that was the other thing i i don't care if tony ducked my question i think someone's up with his shoulder um i'm gonna keep that's something i think we need to keep an eye on um, he, he didn't have a lot of shots come to him naturally last night i mean and then you know, Brogdon is twenty-seven. He he made some tough shots. Yeah, to he get was there two. Too. Of, he was uh, London was only two of four. Um, but did, one for three. For, did not three. Did, did not attempt a single free throw. Um, had four assists. Um, so now I just I just look at it and I think you know what this is a team that, that I think all right now we've got a feel for who they are. I, I still don't understand why Mike Tovey's getting twelve minutes a game, but you know what you you put him out. I say you put him out there for two minutes and if he. And if he if he catches, he played that well against Louisville. Well, I know, but I'm saying like if he catches that lightning in a bottle, and you know he's going to play well, you can see it coming. Like, all right, we'll keep keep going to him. But otherwise, like, you, know, you really like, ha- you have to put him up against a guy who looks like he shouldn't be able to handle because he's his biggest Toby. Then he plays well. It makes no sense. You put up a little guy and he struggles. So. Yeah, Toby against Mer- against Louisville had nine points on uh, on four of seven shooting, two dunks um, I think, and yeah, then that long had, two that kind of silenced the crowd. He had four rebounds, three fouls. That dude has an uncanny ability to pick up fouls. It's God, he does. striking. He is mad at himself before the whistle even blows. That's what cracks yeah. me. He's already shaking his head and looking at Tony. 
Can we talk about that? Uh, that Malcolm is currently fourth, tied for fourth in uh, Ken Palm's Player of the Year standings behind Buddy Heald, Jared Utoff, and Bryce Johnson. I think it's a little low. <laughs> of course, he's of course he's tied with Bri- with uh, Denzel Valentine, but whatever. Yeah, um, yeah. I think if Malcolm keeps playing like he is, and not, you know, we we keep talking about his offense, but his defense. You know, you mentioned Carter, and you mentioned uh, what's the guy's name? We just forgot. Just drew a blank. Damian Lee. Yeah, Lee. I mean, Brogdon was on him most of that time, so he you know he's doing it on both ends of the floor. Not the coaches vote for the player of the year, right? Uh, well, technically. Uh, both do, but the the actual player of the year, I believe, is a media. Actually, now think about it. I don't know if the coaches actually vote for a player of the year. They do vote for a first team All ACC. Okay, well, I guarantee you, Brogdon will be on the first team All ACC with the coaches. So and if they pick the coaches of the year, I wouldn't be shocked if he was already going to win it. Yeah, and he's probably the most respected player in the league. Well, the thing about you, know, you got Bryce Johnson, um, who even you know he he didn't have a great game the other night against Louisville. Also, I thought. Damian Lee was was really good in that game. He, what it was like eight of twelve from the field and scored like twenty four. Um, but Bryce Johnson's probably the player of the year uh, at this point. Um, yeah, yeah, right now I would have I would have him um, maybe about a full step ahead of Brogdon, and then Brogdon uh, maybe a full step ahead of Grayson Allen. Yeah, and then you know Brogdon's. Let's face it; it's what you do against the Carolina teams that win you those Player of the Year yeah, awards. Yeah, that's true. I mean, that's yeah. just the way it is. And you hadn't played them yet, so I mean, not the big three, at least. Yeah. So, um, if he comes out and torches, you know, shuts down Grayson and you know scores a bunch against Carolina, and they hold Cat, yeah, he won't be on Cat, but you know, I'm sure he'll switch on him a few times. So, what if I initially look at a Virgin- the rest of Virginia schedule? So they get Pitt Saturday, they get Tech at home Tuesday. They go to uh, to Durham on on Saturday. Then they come back the two nights later um, for for NC State at home, and then they've got a week off until they get Miami um, on February twenty second. So, That's at Miami, right? Yeah. So then you so they're going to play one, two, three, four games in nine days, and then they're going to get a week off before they play at Miami. Um. So really, I mean, you can look at this four game stretch and just say, okay, well, this is the season. Um, I understand the Carolina game is not until the end of February, but um, but it, hell, then they're still going to get five days off between those two games, between playing in Miami and then coming back home for Carolina. Um, so Pitt, Tech, Duke, and who's the fourth one? I'm not, Pitt, I'm Pitt not Tech, Duke, and North uh, NC State. NC State, okay. Who who uh, <laughs> who who knows what you're going to get there? Uh, you know who? I mean, NC State is like the weirdest. Uh, I mean, like Cat Barber. Actually, you know what though? We probably should put Cat Barber. In the conversation, for, yeah, I just think they're not. I don't season. know if they're winning enough. Well, I, but you know what though, that didn't stop Eric Green. You know that year. I mean, the reality is, is that that he's playing really, really well. Um, and so if you're were looking the for guys the guys as good as, I don't know if guys are having, were as close. Eric had a really good year that year. Well, I know, uh, but I'm saying, I mean, but like Cat is having a similar type of season. Maybe it's not quite yeah. as good, um, but he is. Uh, he's he's playing at a really high level. Um, it's he's going to get a lot of love uh, for for player of the year. I'm just telling you. He, so we got to go three and one. Out it doesn't this, matter. This it doesn't matter if they've lost so. three of their last four and like uh, <laughs> nine of their last eleven. You know, it doesn't matter. Like, Not at all. You know, they're they're two and eight in the conference. Who cares? Um, damn, they lost their first five conference games. Yeah, they've done that before. And, so. they lost, and then they've lost three of their last four. One to Duke. Uh, and then one to Georgia Tech and one to Florida State, which I guess if you know UVA did the same thing, similar, but whatever. Um, and then and then yet somehow boat raced Miami. Yeah, uh, the enigma that is weird, NC State every year. Team. Of course, they're probably going to put it. They're going to they're going to turn it on. Watch, they'll lose to Virginia. They'll come back. They'll beat Clemson in Carolina and Syracuse in a row. Watch, boom, boom, boom. <laughs> that's that's just what that's just what the the snake oil salesman does. Now they're going to be a t- I mean that's going to be a tough game for Virginia coming off of. I mean, Jenny hasn't won in Duke in a very long time, and you know, got that game on Saturday, and then turned around and played NC State Monday night. Um, I don't know who states. I assume states playing that Saturday, but they may not be. Uh, state plays next. They play Duke Saturday, then they play. They have a week off, and they play Wake, yeah. and then they get they get then they play uh, at UVA two nights later on Monday night. So, all right, I think that's a that's a good place to put a pin in it. I want to thank David Spence for his time uh, being uh, on the show, uh, my faithful friend. Um, 
especially because Ferber's internet was jacked up. Um, also want to thank everybody out there for continuing to, to listen to the podcast, supporting it, uh, doing, doing great stuff, obviously, uh, on, on iTunes and stuff. So it's really, I'm, I'm sure that's cool for folks to be able to, to listen both on the board or, uh, um, in the, uh, uh, in the iTunes podcast app. So thank you for your support as always. Um, so for David Spence, I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com. Thanks for coming out. We'll see you soon.